Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh Morani here. Great show today. A lot to get into. Monday Night Football, Commanders-Eagles tonight, and then there's a lot of takeaways from Week 10. I think the season, more than halfway through now, is finally rounding into shape. Tampa Bay looks much better. Buffalo looks the same as they did last year. Dallas looks the same as well. San Francisco rounding into form. Kansas City, the best team in the AFC. So here we go. Buckle up in as well. College football. A lot to react to there. Also, pretty good on my picks in college football. I'm a much better college football picker this year than NFL, uh, which I know you can't have the best of both worlds. Uh, so I will take my great college football picks uh, and my NFL picks, which I'll be discussing shortly. Uh, very frustrating, very frustrating. But let's start with the Monday night football game tonight, the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, only undefeated team left in the NFL. They're 8-0. They're going up against Washington, who's coming off a tough loss uh, to the Minnesota Vikings, a game which they were up and then lost by three points. Eagles coming off a good month, a Thursday night football win. So they're off, coming off a mini bye. They had another extra day rest as well because of not playing Sunday. So Philadelphia, to me, is really rested up and ready for this game. I think Philly is going to win and stay undefeated tonight. I think it will be close to the divisional game. As I say, all divisional games are close and rather wonky. Uh, but I do think Philadelphia will win this game. I like uh, their secondary a lot. Washington doesn't run the football, uh, to me, rather effectively uh, compared to the Philadelphia Eagles. And as we saw last week, you can run on this team. Uh, so if there's a way to upset the Eagles... It's for the Washington Commanders uh, to do that. But like I said, they're not great at running the football. Uh, they average 108 uh, rushing yards a game. So again, not great. But if you make it to where Washington has to respect it, that's where you can go and maybe make some plays there uh, with Taylor Heineke to try to win this game. I don't see it happening. Because I see the Philadelphia Eagles as a more complete team. Philadelphia runs the ball very effectively. Uh, offensive line is very good. Washington is going to have to create some discomfort for Jalen Hurts, and I don't think they'll be able to do that. Uh, the one thing, the big reason to me why the Eagles are 8-0 is they're able to run the football well on offense. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a ton of time to throw. Eagles have the best offensive line in football, but we also haven't seen them go up against a great defensive line uh, other than the Cowboys. And that was in Philly. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, got sacked there uh, four times. That was probably the most uncomfortable he's ever been. But again, they played the Commanders earlier in the year. Eagles won 24-8. Not a lot of pressure there. Uh, so, again, I'm looking for teams that can bring pressure on Jalen Hurts, and I don't see Washington do that. It's in the crazy environment of that is Philly. However, this time Taylor Heineke is starting. Last time it was Carson Wentz. I do like Taylor Heineke a little more. I think Washington just rallies around T Taylor Heineke a bit more than Carson Wentz. So I think they'll give him an extra edge. I think this game will be closer than their first meeting. But again, Philadelphia pulls away with Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. Just started to get it going. And then defensively, Darius Slay, a Bradbury, Gardner Johnson. Their secondary is just stout. Uh, I want to see this defense get after the quarterback, stop the run a bit more. And those are two things I'm looking for in Philadelphia. 
uh, to correct to be a better team. And then Washington, don't make any turnovers. Try to get after uh, Jalen Hurts there. I don't think they do that. Again, I have Philly winning this game uh, in what I think will be closer uh, than the 11-point spread. I don't think Philly covers tonight. Now moving on to the rest of Week 10 and what happened yesterday. I'm going to start with the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers here. Uh, I thought Tampa Bay played a great game. It was just fantastic to watch every game there in uh, Munich, Germany. The Bucks offense, 14-0 halftime, and they shut down that defense was absolutely lights out against Seattle. They were able to pressure Geno, uh, make him uncomfortable. They had to punt five times in that first half. It was, uh, you know, terrible play uh, by Seattle in that first half. Bottled up Kenneth Walker. Uh, not a lot of receivers could create separation. And then Tampa Bay looked good. Tom Brady to Julio Jones. Julio Jones took it an extra gear, which I haven't seen this season, for a 31-yard touchdown run. They sustained long drives. They were able to run the football well. Lenny got a touchdown. Second quarter was great. Uh, third quarter, uh, Bucks defense still good. Offense didn't do much. Only uh, possession there, field goal, so 14-3. to And then fourth quarter there, uh, you had Tom Brady in the red zone. Uh, they go out for a screen pass. Our uh, pass with Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady out on the outside. Tom Brady slipped, Tariq Woolen intercepted, and I thought, oh, this is going to change the momentum there. So Seattle's driving down the field, but then Geno makes a terrible uh, decision with the ball, uh, fumbles it, gives it back to Tampa Bay. Then Tampa Bay goes on to score, makes it 21-3, and I thought there it was over. Uh, And it was Seattle got a quick score. Uh, Tyler Lockett went for two, 21-9, and then Marquise Goodwin uh, later in the game got a touchdown, and Tampa Bay was able to just ice the game on a four-minute drive. This was easily Tampa's best game of the season, Tom's best game of the season. Uh, He was 22 uh, for 29, throwing the football, 258 yards, a quarterback rating of 86, pass rating of 111, yet he threw his in first interception, in 400 pass attempts, he was 3-4 shy of breaking Aaron Rodgers' record. So that was tough. But other than that, and the Tom Brady slip, which really wasn't his fault uh, because a lot of people were slipping on that grass yesterday, uh, Tom Brady uh, was terrific in that game. I was also really impressed with them running the football. This, to me, this was, again, their best running game since week one when Leonard Fournette rushed for over 100 yards. Yesterday, Rashad White really got it going. He had 105 yards on the ground on 22 carries. I thought Leonard Fournette was effective as well. 14 carries, 57 yards. He left with a hip injury. But I thought both those guys uh, were great yesterday and really kept them balanced. Uh, They carried the ball 44 times. They only passed it 30 times. Uh, So, again, they ran the ball a bit more, but they did so effectively. Seattle really had no answer and I got to give a shout-out to Rashad White. Uh, yes, his game was good, but he had so far the stiff arm of the year. It was Derrick Henry-esque on Trevon Diggs right on the helmet and just stiff-armed him right to the ground. It was reminiscent of uh, Derrick Henry on Josh Norman. Just took him out of play. I was typed. That was great to see. So he got the big... Uh, to me, kudos there. But then this receiving core. Chris Godwin dropped too early, and I thought, oh, last week we saw eight drops. Mike Evans, a lot of them, a lot of drops. Scotty Miller, and I thought, this is great. This is not going to end well. Uh, but Chris Godwin really recovered well after that. After those two drops uh, early, didn't drop a single target. The rest of the day finished with six receptions, 71 yards, his first touchdown back. Mike Evans was good, five receptions, 54 yards. Julio Jones, like I said, was good. Kate Auden turning into that Gronk-type role, a real security blanket for Tom. I like him and Cameron Bray both 
And then Scotty Miller as well had a awkward catch. It was, you know, wide open. He jumped so high in the air, bobbled it, but he came down with it. Uh, so this team, I think, is getting it going. And then when this defense is healthy, uh, which we haven't seen in a while, we've seen Antoine Winfield out, Carlton Davis out, Akeem Hicks missed a month, and Akeem Hicks was going to be a key role in replacing, uh, you know, the, the Dhammakong Sioux and rotation to that defensive line. So him in there with Akeem, uh, Akeem Hicks and they're rotating with Nunez Rochates, Vita Vey up the middle. This rush defense, really stout. And then cornerbacks uh, again, Carlton Davis, I thought was good. Jamel Dean, uh, spectacular. Uh, Devin White played his guts out, uh, rushing the quarterback, getting after Gino Levante, David. Uh, Tryon Shoinka played really well. So this uh, Bucks team, this looks like a very, very dangerous team again. Whole held the Seattle Seahawks to 39 rushing yards. Uh, this was just a great win by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Germany. Uh, Two-game winning streak now. The, to me, you're getting closer. You're getting back into it. Uh, to me, the Bucks are back. Uh, you know, Mike Evans said after the game-winning drive last week, uh, it created something in the locker room like, hey, we can still do this. Our season's not over. And that's what I see from Tampa Bay. I played their guts out yesterday. Like I said, best win of the season, balanced. And then now they have the bye week. They can get a bit more healthy, bit more on the right track. But if the Bucks play like they do last week uh, or yesterday, I can easily see them winning out, maybe losing a key game uh, here. But I really like this Buccaneers team. They have a very talented roster, and that was on full display yesterday. But Seattle, Seattle really couldn't do anything right. Geno Smith, QBR, 54, so quite uh, mediocre-esque. Threw for 275 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he was their leading rusher on the day. He had 22 yards to Kenneth Walker, 17. Like I said, Kenneth Walker could not get it going. Geno Smith had a couple of nice scrambles. Uh, but Seattle was very ineffective most of the day. And it showed when they play a very talented team, yeah, young offensive line had some issues uh, defensively. They had a tough time stopping the run. Uh, Tom Brady picks on rookie cornerbacks, and that's what he did yesterday. It was a full dissection of the Seattle team, uh, and this was the Seattle team I thought I was going to see majority of the year. Uh, didn't, but it reared its ugly head yesterday. And with the schedule not getting much easier, like I said, they played the 49ers. They played the Chiefs. They played the Rams twice. I know the Rams aren't good, but the Rams have had Seattle's number with Sean McVay. They also played the Jets, having a very strong year. So Seahawks, if they're going to make the playoffs, they have a bye week coming up. Uh, but then it gets very telling after that, getting into a division battle with the Niners. I'm going to give them the Niners for just a second, but if they win next week with the Seattle being on the bye, 49ers have that head to win over Seattle, so they would then be the division champions. Again, they have one more game left, but that's going to be an exciting division race coming to a close there. So great win for Tampa. I think they're back. Tom Brady, terrific. Rashad White, uh, Seattle was Seattle. Now I want to talk about the other game of the day. Uh, and that was the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. And this one shocked me, it hurt me, it upset me. And so, so many ways. Uh, I thought Buffalo was going to win this game, even with Case Keenum in. I'm just going to say right now, they lost, for those who don't know. Minnesota won 33-30 in overtime. But guess what? Josh Allen played, looked good uh, early. Uh, you know, drive, first drive, Minnesota touchdown. I thought, oh, we got ourselves a shootout. But Buffalo responded 7-7. Kirk Cousins threw a terrible interception. Next thing you know, it's 14-7, 17-7. Halftime, it's 24-10. 24-10. to 
Uh, Buffalo, and I thought, hey, they got this. I checked the score again, third quarter, 27-10. There you go. It's 27-10 Buffalo. It's 17 points. We're about to go in the fourth quarter there. Uh, but no, 134 left right after that field goal. Dalvin Cook erupts for an 81-yard touchdown run, so it's not over yet. And then, fourth quarter, Josh Allen makes three critical mistakes. Uh, Kirk Cousins already has two interceptions. He's not playing well. But Buffalo, in the red area, at the 10-yard line, what does Josh Allen do? Throws an interception, an ugly interception that's just inexcusable. Minnesota drives down the field, 27-33. Then, Buffalo's driving again. Uh, my bad. Buffalo's driving. They get the ball back. Minnesota drives. They go for it on fourth and goal at the one-yard line. They don't get it. So there's 41 seconds left. All you have to do is run a QB sneak effectively, and this game is over. But what do they do? Josh Allen in the center, not on the same page. Josh Allen fumbles the ball in the end zone, and it's not a safety to where you rely on a defense. Minnesota recovers in the end zone for a touchdown. Touch 30-27 off an ugly fumble by Josh Allen. Touch 30-27 with 40 seconds left, and I thought this game was over. But Josh Allen pulls a rabbit out of his hat, drives down the field, gets them in field goal range. They kick the field goal. We're going into overtime. Then in overtime, Minnesota sustains a long drive, ends up with just a field goal. So they're up 33-30. Josh Allen chance to tie, win the game. They're driving down the field relatively easy. But then Josh Allen throws another ugly interception straight to Patrick Peterson. Ices the game. And what was really upsetting, because to me, Josh Allen outplayed uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins with a QBR of 34. Took four sacks. Wasn't that efficient uh, as well. 71 passer rating. Josh Allen, much better. 330 yards. Yes, he threw but two interceptions. Uh, but QBR of 70. Passer rating of 80. He was effective on the ground. But those three turnovers killed this team. Uh, the lackadaisical effort on defense in the fourth quarter killed this team. Uh, Buffalo had its best game running the football. They were balanced in doing so. Uh, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, nice one-two punch there. But the turnovers killed this team. What did Josh Allen do? Josh Allen exited. My MVP favorite, he's now down to number three. Uh, Patrick Mahomes goes up. Jalen Hurts goes up. Josh Allen cost his team the game after Kirk Cousins looked ugly, looked like a con artist, was not playing good. But Josh Allen bailed Minnesota out. Justin Jefferson with a great catch, uh, one-handed catch. To me, you know, this is probably a top three catch of all time. However, I prefer the Odell catch because it was prime time Sunday night football. Everybody watched it. Everybody tweeted about it. It was great. And then also the most clutch catch in NFL history, the David Tyree helmet catch in the Super Bowl by the New York Giants. But I'll put Jefferson's uh, there at third. He was great yesterday. Ten receptions, 193 yards. And it's just frustrating because con artist Kirk was a true con artist throughout the day. And Josh Allen and the Bills bailed him out. Minnesota was, a, was dead in the water. And Josh Allen and the Bills did this. Now the Bills are looking very similar to how they were last year. Number one in the conference. They beat up on the Chiefs. They beat up on teams that were good. Uh, so far, they've done the exact same thing. But they have two straight ugly losses. Six quarters, just, you know, bad. Jets win. Vikings win. And now, guess what? You're third in your own division. 
You've not won a division game so far this year. Uh, Stefan Diggs said that they're blinking too much, and they are. They are. This team, you know, has issues with the lead. Uh, they've won some close games this year, but they also have lost some close games as well. Josh Allen has to play better. The defensive effort has to be better, or else this is going to be the same story as last year. They play a team like the Chiefs in Arrowhead, and guess what's going to happen? The Chiefs will win that game because they're in Arrowhead. The Bills need the number one seed. They need to have finished with a better regular season loss than, uh, or a better regular season record than the Chiefs to get the one seed to get that home field. And yesterday was just a pathetic loss on all accounts by Josh Allen and the Bills. It was frustrating to watch. It was frustrating to just look about. It's frustrating to even talk about uh, because Josh Allen has now cost his team two games in a row, the defensive effort as well. And now they're going to have to take a hard look at themselves because guess what? They still have four division games left. They still have the Jets, the Dolphins, two games against the Patriots. They still play a dynamic quarterback in Justin Fields, who I think can give this defense some fits. They still play play the Cincinnati Bengals. This does not get easier, Buffalo. Josh Allen, be better. Defense, you've got to be better. That had to be the most frustrating thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Now the Vikings are 8-1. and one. And to me, they basically have the division at this point. They're five games up on the Green Bay Packers. They're only seven games left in the season. Yes, they play each other one more time. But if the Bills are going to do this, guess what? Cowboys, please beat the Vikings this coming week. I implore you, please beat the Vikings. Patriots, please. Uh, Vikings are not that good. Yes, they're 8-1. and one, But when you play behind uh, too much, it's going to come back to bite you. Now, I'm glad they've learned to come back, win those close games. But in the playoffs, it's a different story. Uh, when you're facing the Philadelphia Eagles and you're behind in Philly, that's going to be tough to come back from. If you're down uh, to the 49ers, that's going to be really tough to come back from. But when you're down to the GOAT, that's going to be hard to come back from. So the Vikings, again, they're not Super Bowl contenders. They are not an elite team. I'm not being stubborn. I'm not being ignorant. But they are just not like that. They are not an elite football team. Offensively, they are not even in the top 10 for total yards. Passing yards, they're top 10. Rushing yards, not top 10. They haven't been great running the football. Uh, they're actually there in the bottom 10. Worse than Washington uh, there. And then points per game, again, hovering around the 10th spot there. So this offense, not elite. This defense, far, far from elite. They have the fourth Worst defense in the league, giving up 381 yards per game. They have a worse defense than a team like the Las Vegas Raiders. That will catch up to this team. They allow 21 points a game. So they have some things to shore up there defensively. Again, not an elite team when you have a bottom five defense and sort of a fringe top 10, lying outside the top 10 offense. Uh, Minnesota is not that team. They got some good pieces. Justin Jefferson, top three wide receiver in football. Uh, But this team still has flaws. They are not Super Bowl contenders. Frustrating on every level to watch. Another game I want to talk about, another game I was wrong on. The Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. 
Again, last week I thought Dallas defense was too good. Green Bay's inefficient offense. Uh, but I did say Green Bay had a chance. I was close to picking Green Bay just because Rodgers has historically owned the Cowboys. He was 7-2 and two going into this game. Uh, you know, there was, you know, I really don't want to lose to my former coach, Mike McCarthy. And, you know, he likes his history. And this is a historic rivalry here between these two story franchises. Uh, and it was a great uh, back and forth game. Uh, second quarter was back and forth. Dallas took the lead early. Green Bay stormed back, took the lead. Uh, then the Cowboys right before half tied it up. So it's 14-14, back and forth. Third quarter, Dallas scores, scores again. They're up 28-14 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, then Dallas gets, I mean, Green Bay gets a touchdown in the fourth. Later in the game, they get another touchdown. So it's 28-28 uh, there, tied up. Uh, Dallas has a ball after that. They do nothing, so Green Bay now has a chance to win this thing in regulation. Decent return. Run the ball a couple times. It's around third and one. And then they have a weird pass call that doesn't work. I thought they should have ran it after getting having two carries, nine yards. Uh, that doesn't happen. Aaron Rodgers very upset at LaFleur, yelling at him on the sideline. They get into it. Uh, you know, definitely some tension rising there. Fourth quarter, Dallas gets the coin toss, and I thought, hey, this thing's over. This isn't the playoffs yet. Dallas gets this touchdown. They'll go ahead and win the game or they get the field goal. A lot of pressure on Green Bay. So Dallas drives down the field. It's fourth and four at their 35. It's around a 52, 53-yard field goal. Uh, definitely in Brett Maher's range. But they don't go for the field goal. They opt to go for it on fourth and four. They don't get it. The pressure gets to Dak. Now you give it to Green Bay. Green Bay, little slam pass to Alan Lazard. He runs it down to like the 15-yard line. Uh, Mason Crosby walks it off, upsets Dallas. And this is the same story I see from Dak Prescott. Two ugly interceptions, much like Kirk Cousins' ugly interceptions. Two bad interceptions that really cost his team. One of those, much like Josh Allen, in the red zone, occurred in the end zone. He was bad. He would have a QBR of 44. He wasn't good. To me, Tony Pollard was great. 22 carries, 115 yards. I thought they should have actually ran the ball a bit more with Pollard than passed. Uh, Dak Prescott with 46 attempts. That's not a winning formula there. But then on the flip side, Aaron Rodgers, uh, this was his best game of the season. 224 yards, three touchdowns, a QBR of 82, pass rating of 146. He was great. And the thing Green Bay did, they ran the ball efficiently. Aaron Jones, 24 carries, 138 yards, average of six. A.J. Dillon, 13 carries, 64 yards, average of five. They rushed for 207 yards on 39 carries. They were very effective running the football, and that's what I thought the plan had to be for them to win. Got away from it a little last week against the Lions. Dove back into it. It works out. These two running backs are a great tandem together. To me, this is something they should continue to do. But again, Aaron Rodgers, great in their win, broke the five-game losing streak. In Dallas, this is exactly what I see from Dallas every year. Last year, they were 7-1. and one. Uh, They finished the season 12-5 uh, and five in the fourth seed. Didn't finish well. It all started with a bad loss to the Denver Broncos, who were not a good football team. Very similar. Cowboys-Packers, they are 6-2. and two. Good football team. But they just suffered a bad loss to a bad Green Bay Packer team. Now, it's does that same doubt creep in? They play the Vikings. Two mediocre quarterbacks going up here. A uh, lot of expectations on both teams coming up. And then they have a Thanksgiving game. Last year, lost in overtime to Derek Carver Raiders. Now they play the Giants. The Giants, very good. They've turned it around. Could they suffer another loss like that? They still play the Jags, who are frisky. The Eagles on Christmas Eve. 
the Titans of a final Thursday night football game. So the Dallas Cowboys, not a very tough schedule, but they do have some games that if they are the same old Dallas team, they will lose some of those games. Dak will lose that game to the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, to the Titans, to the Eagles, some of those good teams that will probably be in the playoffs. That's what Dak does. He loses those games. So very early, looking very similar to years past from Dallas. Now let's talk about the rest of the games. Detroit-Chicago. Pick Chicago to win this one. Detroit, one-point win. Uh, Win really because the Cairo Santos field goal kicker for Chicago missed the extra point that would have put Chicago up 31-24. to So this game could have gone into overtime. But Chicago lost that game because of that missed extra point. Justin Fields was terrific. A 67-yard run. Uh, it, that was just fantastic uh, to watch. He turned on the Jets, the afterburners, switched on the Nas, and he was off, dusted my Lions defense. Great pass to Cole Komet for a touchdown as well. This Bears team on offense, definitely finding their rhythm, finding themselves. I like watching the Chicago Bears team. However, uh, defensively, they do have some issues. Detroit Lions got their first road win under Dan Campbell. Jared Goff played efficient. Jamal Williams, obviously the key back. And I don't know what to do about DeAndre Swift anymore. Uh, I don't know if he's fallen out of good graces, but he didn't have an injury tag this week or an injury designation. It was healthy. And, you know, they like rolling with Jamal Williams. So if Detroit wants to do this, cut your losses. You traded T.J. Hawkinson. Might as well trade DeAndre Swift as well. If you're not going to fully incorporate him on this offense, if you don't trust him, you might as well cut your losses with him. But Detroit won that game, and it's crazy to say that, hey, they're not the worst team in the division. The Chicago Bears are the worst team in the division. And they're like a game behind the Packers. They have the tiebreak over the Packers. Uh, so there you go there. Lions looking competitive. A game I thought they'd lose. They pulled it out. Congratulations to them. Denver and Tennessee. Uh, I thought Tennessee would win this game. They do. And the Broncos offense is just pathetic. They had a 66-yard pass touchdown, Russell Wilson, uh, Jalen Virgil. But after that, uh, there was not much going on for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Denver had a punt, three-and-out punt, another punt, another punt, that touchdown, a field goal before half, then they take a knee. So in that first half, let me count again, they had one, two, three, Four, four punts, two scoring drives. Second half, another punt, another punt, another punt, that's three, another punt, that's four, another punt, that's five. A bunch of three and outs as well. They're down 17 to 10 now, late in the game. Up to Russell Wilson, the comeback king. At least he was the comeback king in Seattle. Uh, now you got to get a touchdown, tie this game, send it to overtime. Uh, they're driving. They get down. To the Tennessee 21, it's third and four. And Russell Wilson fumbles the football. Uh, Somehow, they get it back. Uh, The Tennessee guy fumbled it, so Denver recovers. Good for them. However, it's fourth and 13 now. Offside penalty makes it fourth and eight. So they're at the 25-yard line. They need eight yards. And Russell Wilson throws an ugly, 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 ugly interception to lose this game. And what's just been an ugly performance for him all year. QBR of 22 yesterday. Passer rating of 70.1. Russell Wilson's not been able 
to engineer comebacks. In Seattle, we saw him able to engineer game-winning drive after game-winning drive, comeback after comeback, and we just don't see that. The Seahawks, they could have came back, but guess what? Lost that one. 49ers, hey, uh, Russell Wilson Renaissance came back for that one. But then Colts couldn't come back. Chargers couldn't come back. Broncos couldn't come back. Titans couldn't come back. So this Broncos offense is bad. Nathaniel Hackett's bad. Russell Wilson is playing terrible. Uh, They couldn't run the football a lick. Yesterday, 25 carries, 65 yards for 2.6 yards per carry. Uh, Ryan Tannehill comes back. His team is much more efficient with him. Uh, Even when Derrick Henry has a bad day, Ryan Tannehill is able to make some plays like he did yesterday and win this football game. And again, Denver is trash. Jacksonville, Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City was just too much uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mahomes' four touchdown passes. Extended their lead seven and two. Everybody was involved. Noah Gray, Marquez Aldo, Scantley, Kadarius Tony, Travis Kelsey. I mean, uh, they had it flowing on all cylinders. It's just too much for the Jags. I thought the Jags played a good game. Trevor Lawrence, clean game. Christian Kirk was good, but Kansas City is just too much for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Miami and Cleveland. Miami looked very good after a couple of close wins the past few weeks, you know, eking out one against the Bears and the Lions. Uh, this may turn on the Jets this week. On full display, uh, Tua starting to enter the MVP conversation when he has started the game and played the whole way through. They've not lost this season. They're 7-3, first, first in their division now, second in the conference, getting those MVP chance, like I said. Uh, Raheem Mostert running the ball looked good. So did Jeff Wilson. They got a nice one-two punch in the backfield. Uh, Tyreek didn't have his best game. The defense they tried their best to stop him. They did a good job. But guess what? They still have Jalen Waddell, who is explosive. Fairfield got involved. Uh, and this Miami offense was too much to overcome. The defense as well was good. Bradley Chubb made an impact. Uh, three sacks on Jacoby Brissett, so congratulations are in order for the Miami Dolphins because this team is legit. They're for real. A lot of teams or a lot of people thought that, hey, upset brewing here. Cleveland can run the football well. Uh, watch out. But no, uh, Dolphins sniffed any of that out. A great win there uh, by the Miami Dolphins. New York Giants beat Houston in a relatively non-thriller game. Not really close. You know, Giants were kind of a majority of 10 until the end of the game uh, there. So, uh, good job, Giants, getting that win. New Orleans and Pittsburgh. Uh, New Orleans is falling far. They're falling fast. They're falling downhill. Uh, You know, after a decent start to the season, competitive start, Dennis Allen does not look like the head coach for this team. Andy Dalton, I don't know why he's still in the game. Two interceptions yesterday. One of those went right for uh, Kenny Pickett touchdown. So, Steelers, T.J. Watt came back. They weren't didn't get, generate a ton of sacks on Andy Dalton, but they did generate a ton of pressure. Defense looks a lot better with T.J. Watt back there. Yes, Mika Fitzpatrick missed some time. But give me T.J. Watt over Mika Fitzpatrick any day of the week. Uh, Again, generating that pressure, and the Saints just look terrible. Pittsburgh, after a bye, their offense looked better as well. Indianapolis and Las Vegas next. Again, another surprising game. Why? Well, Jeff Saturday's only been the interim head coach for four days. Uh, and he already looked better than Josh McDaniels, who's been an offensive coordinator for so long, a head coach of his Vaders uh, a team for 10 games, nine games. He got outcoached by somebody that was just picked up from ESPN. Couldn't believe it. Got outcoached uh, by him. Uh, Las Vegas just looked bad. 
Their defense outside of Max Crosby is not good. Secondary bad, linebackers bad. Again, outside of Max Crosby, his defense is not good. Offensively, uh, don't think Derek Carr is that guy. He's just mediocre. Too many bad throws. He's too jumpy in the pocket. Uh, again, great game by Devontae. When you force feed Devontae, Devontae is going to do well, uh, but you have to throw it to him well. Uh, prime example of that last pass of the game there, Devontae uh, to on Stephon Gilmore, great cornerback. Uh, I thought that ball should have been a little bit more inside. The ball looked like it was going to go out of bounds. A little more hiked on the ball, so Devontae could have really jumped up and made a play on that thing. Uh, but mm, to still not 100% on the same page. And again, Derek Carr, uh, my man. I know Devontae Adams is your man, but you and Josh McDaniels could easily be out. Give me Devontae Adams over that coach and that quarterback any day of the week. Then another afternoon game, the Rams and the Cardinals, and really which was not an exciting game. Uh, both quarterbacks out, so you had the backup battle. Colt McCoy, John Wolford, and Colt McCoy, better backup, played better. Uh, the Rams offense couldn't get much going. Cooper Cup, ankle injury, you know, already was bothering him, but that one looked bad. That doesn't look good. Uh, and then this defense. We talk about the start. A lot of people, I should say this, I, it wasn't me. A lot of people, other than me before the season, talked about they got stars on all levels of this defense. They got Aaron Donald. They got Bobby Wagner. They got Jalen Ramsey. But what did I say for so long? This defense is just Aaron Donald. The loss of Von Miller was huge. Bobby Wagner, there's a reason why Seattle cut Bobby Wagner. His best days are behind him. That's showing Jalen Ramsey. What did I say? He got torched every game throughout the playoffs uh, in the any game against the Niners. This season, he gets torched. He's not good. He's not a good cornerback. This defense is not good. I said this team was going to regress. I said they'd be lucky to win nine, ten games. There's no way they were winning the division. I feel like Thanos. What did they call me? A crazy man. But guess what? I was right. What I said came to pass. Thank you, Thanos. And that's exactly what's happened. The Rams' offense is in shambles. Matthew Stafford in, Matthew Stafford out. The defense is not good. So guess what? Now they face a bad Saints team coming up. Flip of a coin there. They play the Chiefs. They could very easily get demolished there. The two Seahawks games also are a toss-up. The Raiders, they should win. But the Rams look just as bad as the Raiders. Packers, I can see the Packers in Lambeau beating the Rams. Broncos, that's an ugly game. And Chargers will beat the Rams. So this Rams team will, to me, most very likely finish with a losing record. And again, they're not sniffing the playoffs this season. And the last NFL game to talk about was Sunday night's game last night. The Chargers and the Niners. Uh, the Niners were no win control the line of scrimmage, and that was the case. Uh, however, you know, they're using Christian McCaffrey a lot. They sprinkled in Elijah Mitchell as well a lot. Uh, I thought both those running backs were great since they like to run the football well. Trent Williams was back. Uh, their running game was effective, not super effective, four yards of carry, not, you know, the five or six that we're used to seeing. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was good. However, I want to see more Debo Samuel and George Kittle. George Kittle, two targets, one catch for 21 yards. Debo Samuel, six targets, only two receptions for 24 yards. And Debo Samuel had four carries for 27 yards. He's the most effective running back out of the bunch. To me, Debo Samuel is your biggest weapon. Yes, bigger than Christian McCaffrey, bigger than George Kittle. When you get Debo Samuel going, that instills fear into the defense. To me, George Kittle, he'll get his targets, his receptions. Uh, you leave him one-on-one, he'll make you pay. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, a running back, you've got to respect him. But Debo Samuel is the one who puts fear into the defense's heart. 
from what he's able to do after the catch. He's just terrific. You need to get him the football. More than two two catches a game. He needs to have more than six targets a game uh, if his offense you know, is to get it going. But what carried the way? The defense. The, this defense is terrific. Nick Bosa, uh, it's just too much. To me, he's defensive player of the year right here. He's playing fantastic. Ufunga, the safety. Troy Palomalu, uh, air right there. He's played great. Fred Warner, best linebacker in the game. Uh, when you have, like, the best pass rusher in the game, Mbosa, the best linebacker and one of the best uh, safeties in the game, it's very hard there. Uh, and San Francisco, great defensive game, great offensive game. Shut down uh, the Chargers for the most part. Only questionable call was a Dre Greenlaw helmet-to-helmet. I didn't like the call, the quick ejection. I thought it was weird because it was an unnecessary roughness. With the ejection followed it, there was no targeting called on the play. And it was strange because Justin Herbert was a runner. Uh, He's not a defenseless player. He gave himself up. He was also hit by another San Francisco 49er player, which changed the trajectory of the hit that Greenlaw was going for because he was still up. So I didn't like the call there, but they did rule that a uh, ejection, a necessary roughness, uh, big loss there. I thought it was going to be, but San Francisco, too much talent on that defensive side. We're still able uh, to win that game. So a lot of great NFL tonight, Monday Night Football. Now let's talk about college football from this past weekend, from Saturday. Just want to say, I was 8-2 and two on my picks. Uh, the two I got wrong uh, were the, I think, Oregon Ducks. Picked Oregon over Washington. I picked Texas over TCU. And that was the biggest one there. TCU and Texas. And to, to me, TCU proved that for for real. They only won by a touchdown, 17-10. to 10. But it, to me, it was mostly a dominant effort by the Horn Frogs. By Max Duggan, and specifically, this defense that should shut down Tennessee, or Texas. Up 17, it was a, you know, 10-0, 10-3 at half, fourth quarter, 17-3 TCU. Uh, then near the end of the game was a fumble return for a touchdown by Texas. So offensively, they couldn't get anything going. And that's the thing with Texas. In big games, they find ways to lose. Uh, it's very close. It's not like they get demolished in these close games. Sarkeesian, to me, he's got one more year to turn it around. But Alabama, lost by one point. Texas Tech, lost by three points in overtime. Oklahoma State, lost by a touchdown. TCU, lost by a touchdown when they have a lot of talent uh, there. Surprising, but TCU gets a win and still controls their own destiny. The rest of the top four, you know, Looked very dominant. Uh, Georgia out of the gate slowly. Second half, they erupted 45-19. Ohio State control all day, 56-14. And Michigan control all day, they won 34-3. to A lot of other teams in the top one, LSU, won 13-10. They edged out Arkansas. Alabama narrowly beat Ole Miss 30-24. They needed that one. I thought they'd come back and win that game after a tough loss. They were able to do that. But again, the two big upsets, Washington, Oregon. Washington knocking Oregon out of contention. Oregon will surely drop out of the top ten. Uh, to me, that was the Pac-12's best chance. Uh, and then Pac-12's other good chance, UCLA, lost in a crazy upset to Arizona there. So Pac-12 is mainly done to me. They have USC as their only hope. But to me, that is still no guarantee why. They play UCLA this week coming off a loss. Then they play Notre Dame, and Notre Dame turned it around. And then after that, if they make it to the conference championship game, to me, uh, they're going to be playing the winner of the Utah-Oregon game, which they haven't played. And to me, Utah looks very dangerous. If it's Utah, they can beat USC again, like they did earlier in the year, even in the neutral site. So Pac-12, to me, their hopes are sort of dashed. 
there. Top four stayed good. Again, that helped out the, as well, loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game uh, because, again, their resumes won't be as impressive as Tennessee, so Tennessee could get in to that four spot if a TCU slips. But, again, the Pac-12 not having a champion in there helps out the Ohio State-Michigan as well. So we'll see all that. But, again, big takeaways is Michigan's defense. You know, Michigan, Blake Corum is very much in the Heisman conversation. Another terrific game. Michigan's defense is now the best in the league. Uh, They are number one in points allowed, number one in yards allowed, great on third down, number one rushing defense, top five pass defense. This defense is stout on every level, filled with stars. However, I do want to see a better improvement in the pass game, and they have one week to short up. They have Illinois uh, to short up before uh, they play Ohio State. However, you know, Tennessee's offense, still great. They proved that against Missouri. Oregon's offense is good. Bo Nix, critical mistake there. Georgia's offense, look out, is good as well. UCLA's is still great. Ohio State's is good. So to me, Michigan has the weakest, you know, I don't want to say it's weak, but in terms of explosiveness on offense, that to me is the weakest part of the team compared to the Georgia's, the TCU's, and the uh, Ohio State's. However, the thing about Michigan, they do score a lot of points, uh, top five in that metric, uh, and they have the number one point differential, scoring differential. So that's good for Michigan because they are very balanced. But again, to me, there's clearly the top four teams now, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, TCU. Not specifically in that order. I'll give you my rankings on my next podcast. Uh, But... Again, there's only two regular season weeks left of college football. Still, not a lot of college football left to be played, but in the same sense, there's still a lot. There's still deciding games such as Utah, Oregon, USC, UCLA, uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, um, you know, Oregon, Oregon State will be a good one. Notre Dame, a USC, uh, the ACC championship game is set. LSU, Georgia, uh, ACC championship. North Carolina, one last. Clemson, one last. So, again, there's still quite a few big games that are really going to shape this college uh, football race here. This has been Unbothered. Happy Monday again. Hope you all have a great Monday. I'll talk to you all soon. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.